after two days, Jesus left for Galilee. Jesus himself had testified, prophets have no honor in their own country. When he had come to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen all the things he had done in Jerusalem during the festival, for they had also been at the festival. He returned to Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. In Capernaum, there was a certain royal official whose son was sick. When he heard that Jesus was coming from Judea to Galilee, he went out to meet him and asked Jesus if he would come and heal his son, for his son was about to die. Jesus said to him, Unless you see miraculous signs and wonders, you won't believe. The royal official said to him, Lord, come before my son dies. Jesus replied, Go home, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and set out for his home. While he was on his way, his servants were already coming to meet him. They said, Your son lives. So he asked them at what time his son had started to get better, and they said, The fever left him yesterday at about one o'clock in the afternoon. Then the father realized this was the exact hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son lives, and he and his entire household believed in Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Farah. Well, I taught you last week, so let's just see uh, how we do here. Uh, is he worthy? <laughs> that was pretty good. I got about four answers there, but that's okay. Uh, he is. He is our Tron. So is he worthy? Yes. Yeah, and especially at, at Easter time, we think about this. This phrase comes out, he is worthy, and we can declare. In fact, the invitation may be, why don't you wake up each day and just start your day, maybe before the feet hit the floor, just asking the question, is he worthy in this day? And remind yourself, he is. And then get rolling with the day and see what he might have for you. Well, we're continuing in John. And last week, I, I actually showed you that Jesus left Judea and he was headed to Galilee and he decided to go through Samaria and he had this interaction with this woman at the well. Take a look at this map. Now he is up in this story up in the pink, the purple up there. He's in Galilee, right? So this is his home area. And I think I told you a few weeks ago, Judea religious leaders became very hostile to Jesus, much more friendly up in Galilee, a mix of Gentile and Jewish people there. Um, and so Jesus uh, can move about quite a bit more freely up here. So in this story today, you'll see uh, he went back to Cana there. You'll see in the middle of the picture that's where the wedding happened. He turned the water to wine. And then he's going to go up and meet this official up in Capernaum, which you can see is just a little higher up there. So if you see Samaria here, and then just think Judea is straight south of that. So that gives you a little visual of what we're talking about. So Jesus is now up in this area that's a little more friendly. He can move about a little bit better. Uh, but we're going to find everywhere there are people who are learning about Jesus, and they're having to decide what do I do with this? What do I do with this growing understanding of Jesus? So let's just jump right into this story this morning. Uh, hopefully you got your sermon notes when you rolled in here and you can uh, work through this. We're going to see this through the eyes of this Roman official. Now, you need to understand, this is not a Jewish person. He's Gentile, and he's very likely been put in charge of this area. And if he had a lot of Jewish interaction, it likely would have been with one of those leaders we discussed a little while ago who were more political in nature. Religious and political overlap pretty strongly. And so this is the context of this official 
that is now going to come to Jesus and interact with Jesus. The passage starts in John chapter 4. It starts in verse uh, 43 to give you the context of what we just talked about. In Galilee, Jesus was becoming very, very popular because when the Passover happened, you went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So all that Jesus did, they saw the things that are recorded here in Scripture and the other things that maybe didn't show up here. As John tells us at the end of his book, he doesn't write everything that happened. They saw all this, so they are enamored with Jesus as well. His popularity is growing. The understanding that this indeed could be the Messiah, that was growing as well, which meant you had some people who had already decided to claim, we sh- this, I think, is the Messiah. I think this is the one that they've been talking about. At least that's what people are saying, and they're willing to kind of get on board with that thought all the way to the other side where you'd say, ah, I'm not quite sure about all that, right? No different than our day and age, Right? People at all spectrums of what they believe and where they're at regarding Jesus. And so that's the context of what we've got here. He returns to Cana. We just said that in verse 46. Ends up in Capernaum where there's a certain royal official whose son was sick. If there is anything that will challenge you to start thinking about what you believe in the divine, it is when someone is sick. Yourself or maybe even more so, one of your kids. And so here, this official is now challenged with the understanding that his son is sick. Now, as an official, most likely, he would have had access to any way of healing available, any medicine available, anything like that. He would have had probably more like first dibs in his position, that availability, right? And so likely, you have to understand when this dialogue occurs, He's probably exhausted those avenues. Do you understand what that means? When you start to exhaust your avenues of healing and wellness, you get a little more desperate. You long for something else. You start to look in areas you would never look before. This is what opens up the door for this encounter with this man. Now, as it is with Jesus, it's not always as smooth and easy of just coming up to Jesus and saying, hey, my son's sick, and Jesus says, No problem, I'll heal him, let's go do it. And then that's the story, and it's over, right? There is always this teaching Jesus tries to put in, this kind of challenging the way we think about things. And then, of course, we're going to see in this story, there's actually a healing that occurs as well. So enough setup. Let's jump in to this story and understand what happens. There was a certain royal official, this is verse 46, whose son was sick, sick. When he heard that Jesus was coming from Judea to Galilee, he went out to meet him and asked Jesus if he would come and heal his son, for his son was about to die. The first thing we understand about this official is the official puts himself in front of Jesus. Listen, that may be for you Christians, right? Us Christians, years of church and stuff, that may be like a, eh, duh, what's the big deal? No, it is always a big deal. When we put ourselves in front of Jesus. That's what this official's doing. And not only for us when we talk about it, but this official here, like, this is not a place he normally would go. In that moment, he is a seeker, wanting to see, does Jesus have something to offer him and his son, specifically in this story, a healing? Does Jesus have something to offer him? 
Listen, when I think about this, like I think this defines Jesus. In fact, when we talk about you and I becoming people that share Jesus, I think this is a point we've got to grasp. If we miss it, why would we even share? Is that there are people still today, your friends, your families, your coworkers, the people you do hobbies with, wherever, they still want to know, does Jesus have something to offer them? Now, they're not going to come up and ask you the question. You know, they're not going to come, hey, you go to church. What does Jesus have to offer me? It doesn't work that way. They're going to be asking. They're going to be seeking. And we see this in Jesus all the time. Think about up till now, the people. First of all, Jesus calls some disciples, right? A couple of more disciples of John. Okay, it kind of makes sense. You know, they're following John. They follow Jesus. I mean, John is paving the way. But a couple of them, I mean, they're just, they're fishing. They're doing stuff like this. Philip goes, hey, I think I'm going to go grab my, I'll go grab Nathaniel, right? And we'll go ask him. It's not like these are prominent, prominent people. And yet Jesus invites them in to be in his inner core. We get this story already in John about Nicodemus, a religious leader who's supposed to have it all together when it comes to religion or God or all of that. And he comes seeking. And Jesus says, you know what you need to do? You got to be born again. You got to start all over with your understanding of what God wants to bring to your life and how he wants to interact with you. Jesus will even go into a foreign land where contextually Jews and Samaritans hate one another, and he'll sit at a well with a Samaritan woman, and he'll offer her living water. And she'll go back, if you read the end of it like I invited you to, the end of chapter 4, or or the end of that story, she'll go back, and she will be the evangelist in her village. She's the one who goes and tells about Jesus, and people believe in Jesus. Jesus is constantly putting himself out there for people who are seeking and asking the question, does Jesus have anything to offer me? You know what I think as believers, no matter how long your testimony is, how many years you've been a Christian, I think just asking the question the same, what does Jesus have to offer me? What is it Jesus wants to do in and through me would be a great beginning every day, every day. And then remembering there's those around us who are asking as well. In fact, we're challenging you as we've been doing probably over and over, maybe at nauseum. Open your Bible every day. Every day, open your Bible, get into the Word, and see what does Jesus have to offer me? What does He want to speak to me about? Am I putting myself in front of Him to hear from Him? Like anything, if you put yourself in front of someone... They teach you something. You know how I know this is true? Uh, And you have your own story. If I shared this story, you could stand up and share your own story. Um, You know, Ray and I golf together. Or we walk golf courses around together. And we try to golf together, right? The other day, we decided to go to a driving range together. And we we went to the wrong places, right? I went to a wrong driving range. Um, He went to a wrong driving range. This is how out of whack we were. But he ends up in an area where there is a professional there, a teaching professional who has an empty range, and he says, well, come on over. I'll teach you what's going on. And, 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 and Ray gets like this free 15-minute lesson. I never get free lessons. He gets like this free 15-minute lesson, right? And then Ray walks away, and he said probably 100 times on the driving range. You know, he's like, ah, he showed me what I was doing wrong. You know, well, he t- talked to me about what I was doing. You know, all right, now here's the background. Do you know how many times I've told Ray when we've golfed together, you should go get a lesson? 
You, know? you should video yourself and then look at it and then decipher what you need to do. Oh, I don't want to do it. But put himself in front of a professional for 15 minutes, right? And you start to make changes. I mean, how much more for the one we call Savior, the one we call the transformer of our life, if we would put ourselves in front of Jesus daily, opening God's word and spending time. I'm, I'm too busy. Oh, you don't understand what my morning, I got to get breakfast on the table, I got to get kids to school, I got to get, I get it. Let's, I get it. I'm, I mean, I, 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 my kids are grown now. I get all of that, right? But could we just agree that they're not reasons, they're excuses for all of us to get in front of Jesus, the most significant person to let invest in our life? So you got to get in front of Jesus every day. Here's the second thing we see with this official. The official asked Jesus based on what he knew about Jesus. Don't miss this point. What does this official know about Jesus? He likely knows only what the reports of Jesus. Like, he's not a follower. He's not out walking with Jesus. What he can tell you about Jesus and what, let's, let's say, Peter can tell you about Jesus, not the same thing at all. In fact, probably the disciples, the closest followers, those 12 guys, probably up till now, they could almost get a feel when Jesus started to say something like, oh, here he goes, here, pay attention, something's going on. You know, the official, he'd be clueless. He doesn't get this at this point. All he gets is the reports that have been brought to him about this guy. He's getting pretty popular. Do we need to do anything about it? You want a guy? Just keep an eye on it. You know, like Some are saying he's a messiah. I don't even know. What does that mean, messiah? That he doesn't have the understanding, right? But he has heard he heals. He has heard this has occurred, this type of healing, and he is really intrigued. Why? Because his personal situation is in need of that. Very, very important at this point in his life. He asked Jesus here in verse 47, asked Jesus if he would come and heal his son, for his son was about to die. Notice there wasn't any, you know, like, hey, Jesus, can you do that more than once? Like, do you do that on demand? <laughs> you know, or there was nothing like that. It was just like a bold faith. Come to my house and heal my son because he's about to die. So at least that point, that part of Jesus, like he believed. He understood. And he said, that sounds good. I like that report about Jesus. My situation is in need of that. Jesus, would you come and offer that to me as well. That, that's powerful. I mean, it speaks of this open door. When he has no other avenue, he cries out to Jesus. Look, here's what he's doing, really, in his limited version of the Jewish faith or of following Jesus. He's giving everything he knows of himself to everything he knows of God. He's understanding this is my situation and this is what I've heard Jesus does. So please come and would you offer that to me? This is something I've challenged you actually for several years. This phrase, give everything you know of yourself to everything you know of God. That you would actually look and say, this is my understanding of God. This is my understanding of Christ. This is what I know of God. And just probably, some of you I know, like if I said, hey, why don't you come up here and tell me everything you know about God? You'd be freaked out because you don't think you know that much. Can I convince you? You know plenty about God, plenty about Christ. 
that if we would then surrender ourselves and give ourselves over to what we do know, boy, what Christ and God could do in our life. And that's really in this, in this Roman official's limited understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has to offer, he's surrendering himself totally over to it. Listen, a Roman official here has no business believing in anything Jewish religiously. Not at all. You tolerated it. It was part, it was going on in the kingdom. You tried to help it remain peaceful in that. Go worship your God, right? Don't revolt. That type of thing. But they would have no interest and no business believing in it as well. And yet, this understanding that Jesus is healing, that's enough for him to say, well, I want to believe on that, and I want to put myself out there for that. So he asked of Jesus based on what he knew about Jesus, but the official then is challenged from Jesus with a new way to believe. And this is interesting here. Jesus responds to what the official just says about his son this way, verse 48. Unless you see miraculous signs and wonders, you won't believe. Now, I don't know if Jesus is talking just directly to him, like one-on-one, or if there's like a group, and this is one where, you know, you step back and you tell the whole group, unless you see signs and wonders, like here's another example, unless you see, because we do see this phrase shows up two more times, that Jesus speaks this way, about seeing signs and wonders, right, so that you would believe. Jesus is basically saying this, seeing is believing to you. If you would see it, you'll believe it, right? Which is true for most of us, right? 90, 95% of us, we fit in this category. If you see it, you're going to believe it. If you watch sports, you would know the most overused phrase in sports, right? The most exaggerated phrase in sports, it's really one word, right? Unbelievable. That was an unbelievable performance. Unbelievable hit. Unbelievable play. Unbelievable. And what do you and I really, if we logically wanted to respond, what could we say? I just saw it. I believe it. I just, like, I just saw that happen in front of me. So it is believable. I just saw it. Every once in a while, something happens. We look at it and go, I don't understand how that happened. I'm even seeing it, and I don't get it. But most of the time, seeing is believing. And Jesus is saying, that's how you operate. But Jesus is going to challenge him here. Look at verse 50. Jesus replied, the, the official says, hey, come, Lord, come before my son dies. That's 49. Verse 50, go home. Your son lives. Just go home. Your son lives. Jesus is saying, look, my words alone, speaking my words alone, you hearing me say it alone, that's all you need. It's done. It's taken care of. It's done. I mean, listen, you know the story, right? You can also try to over-spiritualize things if you would like, you know, because you know 2,000 years of who Jesus is, and you've heard the sermons and all this type of things. Put yourself in the position of the official standing before Jesus, right? He's heard reports of Jesus healing. He's intrigued by that. He's crying out to Jesus, if you did that for them, could you do that for me? And Jesus just says, look, you don't need to see it. I don't need to come to your house. It's done. He's healed. Go home. Would that be enough for you to say, awesome, this is great, wonderful, thank you, Jesus? I don't know. I think we're challenged in that way. I think there's times where God's word, we read God's word, and God's word boldly says something about who God is and what he invites to our life and what he offers, and you know how you and I respond? Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. 
we'll see, we'll see, Jesus. And we don't walk out and claim. Like, when he says something like, hey, don't worry, don't worry, God will take care of you, he'll provide what you need, be fine, you don't need to worry and fret, you don't need to get a position where, you know, you go to hopelessness because you're concerned or worried about something. When he says that, like, do we read that and go like, I believe that, I claim that, believe it. Listen, I'm not saying we don't have times where it's hard, it's a struggle, and God welcomes us in the struggle to walk with him. But this official, he's being challenged by something different. What's his response? Look at the second half of verse 50. The man believed, get this, the word that Jesus spoke to him and set out for home. Listen, if you want to hear a powerful verse that you can memorize and lock into your head on times where you're being challenged in your faith, memorize that verse right there. Lock that in. Paint it across, you know, the the wall in your home if you want to put a verse up. Because that verse speaks volumes. He said, the man believed the word Jesus spoke. And he set out for home. Jesus spoke a word, and that was all this guy needed to hear. And he was a Roman official who had not grown up in the Jewish religious system. It's like somebody coming in this morning that doesn't know Christianity, doesn't understand this whole church world, and they heard Jesus say this morning to them, and they said, that's good. I heard Jesus say it. I'm good. I mean, I mean, we sometimes come in, and we hear Jesus speaking words to us. And we go around, well, I'll, see it. I'll believe it when I see it. So he's challenged with a new way to believe. Hearing is believing, is what Jesus is telling. Hearing my words is believing. What is the word of Jesus. What is it? Do you remember? All the way back to John 1, 1, when we studied it, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That Jesus is the very voice of God. Everything he does and says, every step he makes, everything Jesus does, as he's living here on this earth, in this story, he is the voice of God. And here is this non-Jewish, Gentile, Roman Empire official who believes that. He believes that Jesus' words are powerful enough. And he goes on home. That's amazing. Faith that thrives lives on the promises of God. Claiming the words of God. Claiming the words of Jesus Faith that thrives lives on those. It looks at what what Jesus says, and it says, I claim that, I live that. Claims the words, even if you're not seeing it play out in your life. Even if it's a struggle and a battle. That's what this official is being challenged with. He owns it, and he just heads on home, believing his son has been healed. So on his way home, uh, we, we actually find there's this interaction with his, um, well, kind of his crew comes out to, to see him, his servants. It says in verse uh, 51, while he was far away, his servants were already coming to meet him. And they said what? Your son lives. Your son lives. So we asked him at what time his son had started to feel better. And they said the fever left him yesterday. 
at about one o'clock in the afternoon, then the father realized that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son lives. Like he understood the very words at the very moment brought healing to his son. Hearing is believing for this person. He wasn't even home yet to see that his son was well. He's still listening to a report from his servants. And he was believing on this. Here's what we find happened. The last thing we see in this official. The official went from believer to evangelist immediately. Immediately. He was so amazed by what he believed in and what he was challenged to believe. And then when he put into practice that what happened? Immediately, he became like an evangelist. He led people to follow Jesus too. Look at what it says there. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. Because he knew the word of Jesus was said. And at the very moment that the word came out of Jesus' mouth, the son was healed. The word alone of Jesus' mouth is powerful. Jesus didn't have to get there and touch. He didn't have to do a ritual. He didn't have to do any of that. He does. We see that happen, right, in the Gospels. But on this occasion, it was just the word of Jesus alone brought healing. And he believes on that. The very Hey, by the way, what time did this happen? One o'clock. Do you know what one o'clock is, actually, if we were kind of putting it in the Hebrew terms here? Your, your Bible translation put it into English terms so we can think about it. It's the seventh hour that this happens. The seventh hour. Listen, I told you, John puts in all throughout his gospel, he puts in Sabbath understanding. Sabbath understanding. What the Sabbath brings our life. It is not simply a day that, okay, it's Sunday, you can do this, you can't do this. All right, our next week we're actually going to study that, uh, or two weeks from now. It is a day for revitalization. It's a day to cease from those things that we have to do as humans, work and all these type of things. And it's a day that we're freed up entirely to just come before the Lord. We're freed up. Only us. Only our choices don't free us up. And here, here's another way, another way that John is telling you the seventh hour of this happens. Revitalization of the sun, restoration, just like the Sabbath can bring you and I, if we would allow it. His entire household believes. He goes, he turns right to his household, and I don't know how many, but usually when a household is talked about, it's not just saying he called his daughter and his wife in and they believe too. It is everyone, servants, everyone would believe as well. He brought them in and he said, this is what happened, tells them the story, and they move forward in belief together. So immediately, his belief turns into evangelism. It turns into sharing Jesus, his entire household. If you don't share Jesus, perhaps being challenged with belief is necessary for you. Perhaps there is something in belief in Jesus for you that, isn't, that just doesn't really feel like worth sharing. And perhaps being challenged in your belief to go beyond seeing is believing, because that's pretty much true for everyone, Christian, non-Christian, anyone, and the Word of God is believing. When we hear the word of Jesus, that's enough. Perhaps belief is stagnant for you. 
for this official. Here's what believing meant. Because I've told you several times, believing in John is believing on the last thing that was done or the last thing that was said. And for him, it was believing on the words of Jesus. Believing that Jesus could heal even with his words. And it says they became believers in Jesus. They became active in their faith. Was it faith that they're like, hey, I believe Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave. If I accept him as my Savior, I'm going to heaven type. No, there was no understanding of that here. But they believed Jesus seems to be who he said. Jesus seems to be what the reports have come in and have said about him. That's enough. That's enough what we've heard. We're going to follow. We're going to believe on that. And they move forward as believers. That's powerful. Here's a takeaway this morning, three quick things. You've seen them already. Come to Jesus. First thing is put yourself in front of Jesus every day. Every day put yourself in front of Jesus. Giving him opportunity and giving him time. What does that mean? Get in your Bible every day. I keep challenging every morning, get into your word. Why? Because we understand the concept from the beginning of the Bible that we bring our first fruits to God. If I bring my first fruits to God, why would I leave God the last five minutes of my day? Why wouldn't I start my day coming to the Lord and letting him fill me so that I have something to take throughout my day? The second one is believe on Jesus' words. Let's get off of just thinking of seeing as believing. and Let's understand that Jesus' promises, his words, what he claims, what he says you are in God, that is true. It's true. And you can believe on those words and claim those. And then the third one's got to be tell others. Like, tell somebody else about this. If Jesus has done something, if there's some revelation that's opened up, this past Thursday morning, I was, uh, I was doing my, my Bible study time I do with one of my professors. It's an hour and a half every Thursday morning we do. And there was this understanding of this word that I've read Listen, I'm not exaggerating a thousand times in scriptures before, right? But there was this understanding when we did a word study of this and what a Hebrew person reading or in this day of Jesus' day would actually understand that word to mean. And I was just like, wow, that opens things up entirely. Like that actually makes this passage make sense to me now. And so many times when I've wanted to preach this passage, I've not been sure what to do with that section. I've been kind of like, oh, well, maybe I'll just... Read the verse real fast, and we'll move on. Nobody will notice. Now, um, yeah, sometimes we think that as pastors. <laughs> but it, like, harmonized the whole thing. You know what the first thing I did? I told Cherie about it. And I told her, like, that, this was amazing. It just opened up the door entirely to this. Like, this made so much more sense, and I understood God's grace so much more in understanding that. So when, when, you, when you come to Jesus and you believe on some of his word, just go tell somebody about it. Tell somebody. Let others hear it. I think if you're actively telling people, and you're not even thinking whether it's Christian or not, there'll be enough non-Christians you share Jesus with as well that they have the opportunity. Just go tell people about Jesus. Listen, I've been telling you, I know uh, those of you who are really active on social media, like I know what you do throughout the week. Not everything, but I know a pretty good chunk of what you do when you go to the park, when you go to the play, when you go this, what your kids do at school, all this kind of thing. I tell you one 
place, I never know what's going on through most people's face, social media. Church, never know. You know, did God do something? Did Jesus show up? Was it impactful? You know, was, was anything happened? Did you make a commitment? Did it? No, no, no. We're crickets in the world. That's a great opportunity. Just go tell people about Jesus. Just post and say, man, Jesus really met me this morning. I needed to hear that or whatever it would be. Boy, when they sang this song, there was something I understood that I hadn't understood. Whatever. Go post that too, right? Let people know. Just come to Jesus, believe his words, and tell others. Let's pray for this. Father, thank you. Thank you for this official. Lord, I thank you that another unlikely character in, your, uh, in this interaction with Jesus becomes a hero that teaches us something. They teach us believing on Jesus' word alone. And Father, I'm challenged in that. There's times I don't want to believe on your word alone. I want you to show me how it happens 10 times, and then I'll believe. But Father, what, what a gift. As you say in your, your words exact, blessed are those who believe when they haven't even seen. Thank you for this official challenging us in this way. So, Father, would we get before you daily? Lord, I know there's somebody in here that internally did an eye roll one more time when we said get into God's word every morning. Father, I'll let your Holy Spirit do the work because the results are so significant when we get before you. Lord, help us believe on your words. And then, Lord, help us to tell somebody. Tell somebody else what you're doing in our life. Lord, we pray this in your son's name. Amen.